Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. When I walked out of the movies, uh, I didn't say a whole lot. I don't remember it that way. Well, no, no, no. I didn't say a whole lot. And then you said, you're not saying a whole lot. Right. And it's because I was kind of processing it. And all of my initial reactions were, um, my initial reaction for the movie was very positive. But if you ask me to pinpoint anything that I wanted to talk about, it was only negatives. Yes. I noticed that right away. I was a little, I was a little sad about it actually, yeah. because we've spent, no, not about the movie. I was, I was sad no, about I your reaction to it because we've spent two hours or two years, it's always been about this movie. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about Solo, which was in there and we had our fun with. It was not about about really anything else. The whole premise of this podcast was how's this story going to resolve? Mm. And and maybe that was a mistake. Partly. Um, maybe. But that's a lot of pressure for one movie. It absolutely is. And I think the big thing for me was going into that movie, JJ wanted people to be satisfied. Yeah. I think that's the wrong thing he should have been looking for. JJ needed to give us closure. Yeah. And he didn't. Okay. He absolutely, under no circumstance, gives us closure. Okay. Uh, there are so many things that are not answered. Now, that does not mean the rest of Star Wars won't give us closure. And as a hardcore Star Wars fan, I personally believe that maybe I jumped the gun a little bit on evaluating this. Okay. If you're a fun, casual Star Wars fan, the odds are, and everything on the internet is pointing to, that this is a is a hit. You love it. That it's a fun movie, uh, the the little details here and there that can bug it for hardcore Star, hardcore Star Wars fans can easily be overlooked. It wraps up this trilogy nicely, and overall, then that kind of work. It's a very fun movie, and it's very, very enjoyable. Unless you are guided by the public narrative of something, mm -hmm. and, and you are led to believe that this movie is going to be um, tepid at best. Yes, but that's very much along the lines with the, the Last Jedi mindset. So well, exactly. a lot of fans get like really butthurt over The Last Jedi and they don't like it and that's fine. There are certain elements about it that you're allowed to not like and it's designed to be decisive, uh, sorry, uh, divisive and it, it succeeds on that and there are certain areas that it's just not divisive on because we all agree suck. But isn't it breaking the rules of Star Wars to make a intentionally divisive film when yeah. it's just a soap opera yeah i don't i don't think that they should have made it divisive no. by any means however i also don't necessarily uh disagree with anything ryan johnson did with regards to luke skywalker and a few of those other things and so i, I like all that and it, it okay. ultimately does work in that way for me i just don't think those should be divisive things that's no that, that's fair yeah. however i also think that those things shouldn't be divisive but i'm also not about to say did you not watch Return of the Jedi? Luke Skywalker's whole fucking point is he throws away the lightsaber. I'm mm -hmm. sorry you wanted to see him with the green lightsaber slaughtering a bunch of people, but that's not Luke Skywalker. I know you've been wanting it for 40 years, but too fucking bad. That's right. You were wrong from the start. I'm sorry you wanted to see it because you played in your garden with your toy lightsabers uh, <laughs> and you were pretending to be Luke Skywalker. We all did the same thing, but do you know what? Pretend to be Obi-Wan or pretend to be Anakin. Just that's not who fucking Luke Skywalker is. He's he, not a warrior. He is the pacifist of all. That's right. And that's why I guess I understand the notion of uh, hating the the moment of him igniting his lightsaber around Ben Solo. But fuck, watch the whole goddamn trilogy. It all makes sense. It ties up Palpatine's influence. Ben Solo being like so clearly possessed by just pain from the beginning. It, it all works in the end. But yes. this isn't about The Last Jedi. It's about the rise of Skywalker. Yes. And I do feel like... Because critics loved the subversive nature of uh, the the Last Jedi, that they're not liking the Rise of Skywalker, and that's hurting that score mm -hmm. because they see it as is too busy, and there's not a whole lot going on, and there's no explanations in certain things, which is to a degree true. But the fans are enjoying it, and so it's kind of a big 
range in that regard. And then there's some diehard fans, the people who are really focused on things, like the initial reaction I had when I left the movie theater over. I have no closure. You didn't answer any of the main questions that I wanted answered, yep. except for the ones that were pretty damn obvious and under no circumstances could you ever have gotten away with not answering. Or better yet, in the case of Palpatine one, Ray being a Palpatine. Right. In my opinion, that actually doesn't change the movie at all. No, it doesn't. I'm okay you, with it. But no, I'm okay with it too. Yeah. But you literally cannot have her be a Palpatine mm -hmm. and the movie is 100% the same. Yes. Yeah. Because he hasn't necessarily always pursued his own bloodline to be no. his, his heir. No. He, in the start of the movie, he's basically like, Kylo, go kill Rey. Yeah. And once you kill Rey... You'll consume her, and then I'll consume you. So mm -hmm. I get both of you guys anyway. Right. But then he changes his mind because Leia turns Kylo, mm -hmm. and then he says, "Okay, well I'll just go after my own bloodline then, and then I'll get him. I'll get her to kill Kylo." Right. But she just he just assumes, "Okay, Kylo's looking for me. He came right to my door, and he's the one who's been training. I've been training him via Snoke, and he's got that Skywalker bloodline, which is even better than my own bloodline." Right. Uh, let's go with him. Okay, I've got I've got one counterpoint to that. It is fundamental to Ray that she's a Palpatine because it is so important to this film that she can cheat death. And that is Palpatine's whole thing. I actually think that that is completely incorrect. She does, she can't cheat death. And I think that's to a degree, like force healing is not cheating death. Yoda can, like baby Yoda can force heal. We've already learned that. It's a force ability and it's a rare one. And I do. She literally is brought back from the death, from yes, the dead in this movie. by Ben Solo. He finishes what Vader started. Yeah. He learns how to save the one he loved by being purely selfless. So this is actually a point, and if we want to get into it right now, we totally can't. I absolutely love the way Ben Solo dies. Yeah, I'm okay with it too. Anakin. Yeah. He's desperate to find a way to save the woman he loves from dying. Mm -hmm. He'll do anything. He literally sells his soul to the space devil yep. to save the woman he loves from dying. What does Ben Solo do? He walks into hell and, and trades his life for the woman he loves, and that stops her from dying. His selfless... That's very, very well said. His selfless act of pure light is the one thing that can stop the woman he loves from dying. Anakin sells his soul to the devil mm -hmm. and doesn't achieve what he wants to. Right. The only way he can achieve that ability to save the ones he loves from dying... Face evil head on. ...is pure love. Yeah. It's pure light side. It is the exact opposite of what Anakin thought. I think that's one of the one of the smartest things you've ever said on this podcast and i think that it really shuts down a lot of uh a lot of criticism from mm -hmm. from like kind of frankly incels who yeah. are complaining about this movie like one of the big things people want to litigate is the kiss which nah. i mean i heard groans in the theater i don't know if you heard it but I didn't. there were people groaning like oh no they're kissing of course they were always going to kiss are you kidding yeah they were always in love this was like this is some of the best sexual attention chemistry i've seen between two actors Certainly ever in such a popcorn movie. Oh, absolutely. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, side note, I watched Marriage Story the other night. Our boys winning an Oscar. Yeah. Holy Toledo. Well, I mean, this performance, like, it never would get it, but it deserves it. It deserves a nomination. It's ridiculous. It's really good. It's just, it's just smaller than I wanted. It's, it was true. It, I, I mean, it's fair to say this movie. I'm not even so, so upset with the pacing because let's, it had to be a little breakneck. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Adam Driver right now. And there's a bunch of things I want to get into, but let's talk about him. Um, coming into this movie, Kylo Ren, Kylo Ben, uh, probably like a like a fringe top ten character for me. Very awesome character in Star Wars, but probably around like 10, 11 spot. Coming into this movie? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Well, I think he's one of the easily the to- top five most important Star Wars character. Different. I'm talking about like in, like to me like okay. favorite character. Okay. In my opinion, now he sits behind his dad in the fourth spot. Wow. Okay. Behind Vader, Han, and Yoda. Um, but this character, he is two people in the movie. Yep. Uh, Literally two people. Yeah. Well, there's just one thing that. Uh, I didn't notice. I found it online. I, if you noticed it, bravo. Uh, and it's one of the best subtleties in the movie. When she heals Ben Solo, his scar disappears. No, oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't either. That's wonderful. He he fully heals. Yeah. It's beautiful in that way. Also, he moves so differently as Ben Solo versus Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. The way he is with a lightsaber is like he's dancing. As opposed to just hacking with pure rage. The Knights of Ren, he dances around them and smoothly just... And the bow he does to them when he gets the lightsaber from behind his back, it's like, all right, guys, sorry, this is going to end really quick. And most obviously, he smiles for the first time. At the very end. Also, he does not say a single word as Ben Solo. Interesting. I view this purely as a monk-like penance. Okay. In the sense of him viewing his situation as... Look at all of the things I've done. Like the last movie he says in the, the last word he says in the movie is dad. Uh, really? Dad. And then throws his lightsaber. You mean in the Han vision? Yeah. He doesn't talk again in the movie? No. He says ow when he falls. He does say ow. Yeah. That's funny though. That's a comedic moment. It is. And not, we're not laughing at his little temper tantrums. Those are the only other times we've laughed at Kylo Ren in this Mm. trilogy. But we do laugh at him being genuinely like... Human. Being, Human. Well, no, he's being like Han and Anakin. He's a fucking badass. He jumps down there, but like without even looking, shoots behind him and takes out a guy. Okay, but the other times we've seen yes. him exhibit uh, physical anguish, he's, he's relishing it. And temper so, tantrum, yeah. No, no, no. In The Force Awakens, he's been wounded, and he's oh, literally getting off on it. Yes. Yeah, and in this, he's having a human reaction to pain. Yeah. And so it is comedic, the way he lands on the reactor and he, he kind of winces ow, but it's also an expression of humanity Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely he's very much become a a different person again he's Mm -hmm. he's very much reborn but reborn in the same way that he's kind of given life to him well in the way anakin and darth vader were two people it's the same thing it mirrors that yep um it's an interesting one though because i do believe um as much as like all the other things viewed objectively i think he's the best character in star wars period yeah, I mean that's true, and he's certainly the best actor in Star Wars. So, period. This is the best acting performance in Star Wars. Period. Period. In my opinion, and absolutely. I think he is the best character in Star Wars. Period. Okay. Objectively, yeah. Uh, I don't think like because everything that he has is everything that we wanted with every like everything like anything that's annoying with Anakin, anything that they closely missed on, they don't with Kylo Ren. Yep. And when you compare Revenge of the Sith and The Rise of Skywalker, it's interesting. I feel like they fuck up on the exact opposite things and kill in the areas that the other one messes up on. Yep. Cheesy dialogue and some bad acting and some bad turn. Amazing turn, amazing acting, some good dialogue, um, some real confusion with how the force works versus explaining it all and building out a really nice six movie saga. Mm -hmm. But then again, what happened in 1983? People had, like, what, 15 years to speculate and come up with theories about after Return of the Jedi? What are we supposed to do? Immediately, five minutes after The Rise of Skywalker, understand everything? No. If we're a hardcore fan, shouldn't we not want to work a little bit harder to well, piece it all together? And isn't the whole fun that we've had in, uh, in since 2015 when The Force Awakens came out in the discussing it afterwards? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so for that, as much as I don't think it's actually fair to 
just a like a regular Star Wars fan, I really don't think this movie's fair at all because it doesn't answer very much. I will enjoy it thoroughly over time. I think I will enjoy it more over time yeah. in my ability to piece together the rest of it and make peace in what they don't answer. I don't think Star Wars ever promised to answer everything for you. Is the best. I I think the thing about Star Wars certainly A New Hope doesn't answer all your questions. No, and I don't think that's a remotely fair comparison because this movie's number one goal, in my opinion, should have been closure. Whereas A New Hope, that's not at all the case i i i disagree and we can come back to that because i have a thing that i want to do later in the podcast but why don't we since Uh, since we've gotten our word vomit out why don't we go back to the beginning yes and no i have a couple more things i wanted to say there and now i just forgot what i was going to say based on a point that you were just saying fuck you said closure you said the movie didn't provide closure yeah you said something right after never mind well let's start at the beginning Okay, The Crawl. We haven't talked about The Crawl at okay, all. Okay, perfect, actually. That works, because it was going to reference back to The Crawl. And it was <laughs> the thing that I disliked the most. Uh, and it was The Dead Speak. That's the first thing in The Crawl. Yeah, you don't like that? I don't like that, because the only reason we're prepared for Palpatine is trailers. Yes. That's not fair. It is a little surprising. I remember being surprised that they that they blew the surprise of Palpatine in the trailers. And then when, uh. when you see the movie and he shows up in the first two minutes of the film... Mm. Um, it's it's clear that you're going to know that already. Like, it's not a big moment where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. You know it's coming all along, and so we might as well open the film on it. There's been a dark disturbance in the Force. Yeah, Kylo Ren feels uh, the most powerful presence this galaxy has experienced in, 30, in 40 years coming from the unknown regions. He finds a hint to, like, you don't need to do it as the dead speak. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with the dead speak. I love that. I think that it's very, I think it's very um, zippy. I would too, but it's not. It, it it does not connect to the Last Jedi. If you watch between those two, you think you missed a movie almost. Yeah. Well, I mean that is true in that the Last Jedi probably should have referenced Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> like that's well, they do. They mention Darth Sidious, but I mean it's still it, there is. That's a coincidence. Exactly. That, Ryan it, Johnson. I don't think Ryan Johnson knew Palpatine was coming back in Episode Nine. No, I don't think he did. No, I definitely don't think he did. Um, but yeah, let's let's go back to the beginning uh, because I know there is something. I would bet my bottom dollar that because I wasn't even one hundred percent sure, uh, and then I looked it up after to find a visual dictionary clue as to whether or not I was right, and I was. Uh, and it makes the opening scene even better. Okay, the opening scene, the very yeah. first thing we see is Kylo Ren emerging into this. Uh... No, the first thing we see is. Uh, X-Wings come no not X-Wings uh, TIE Fighters coming in on Red Planet and Kylo Ren slaughtering a village right now this is this is not a village okay this is this forest on this Red Planet Uh, these are um, essentially worshippers of uh, of Vader and that uh, Wayfinder that he pulls there just so happens to oh, be right, stored. The wayfinder, yeah. Now, you got really excited when you saw the Wayfinder. I'm livid that they didn't call it a holocron. No, they didn't. You can't just, that's just not how that works. You can't call it a holocron in canon for 25 years. They've been existed since like the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then call it a Wayfinder in the movie just because you think it's like, ooh, holocron's kind of a weird sounding word. Let's call it this totally other thing for the movie going fans. They gave it a more accessible name. And I think that's fucking stupid. Yeah. I think that whoever changed that in the script deserves to be backhanded. Um... <laughs> No, because that is something that, like I just said, like, remember how excited I got? Yeah. Don't fucking call it something different. Right. But it was the same thing, Ross. But it doesn't matter. Okay. Because now it's like trying to change something that has existed in canon. It's it's rewarding the people who understood it, but then taking a little bit of it back for no reason. 
All right. In my opinion. Okay. These characters just didn't have the same name for it. I don't think it, it, it robs any of the context of, of its presence. And that's fair. That's fair. It would have been nice to have it set. Sure. Um, but the most important thing about that holocron is the, part that, is the part that nobody even knows. Okay. Is the fact that whose holocron was it? Uh, well, there's only two holocrons, right? Yeah. Why would there be two made? Um, it's a Sith holocron. Yeah. What does the Sith do? They have a rule of two. Yes. Whose holocron is that? The other, the other one's found on the Death Star. So that one's Palpatine's. So that one's Palpatine's. Is it, uh, is it Vader's it's or is Darth it Plagueis's? Fucking, it's Darth fucking Vader's. Okay. Do you know why? Because they're on Mustafar in the opening scene. Yeah. Mustafar right. has life restored. So in the Vader Immortal series where he's searching for the secrets of immortality under his castle, mm-hmm. he finds out that Mustafar used to be a lush planet and he realizes that it's starting to regrow. When you say lush planet, do you mean like not, Trees. A, not a lava planet? Okay. And so in the opening shot, Kyle's in a forest of trees. Mm. He's on Mustafar and he's in the ruins of Vader's castle. That's cool. And he walks up to like essentially like just like this big shrine that would have been inside Vader's castle. And he's, right. he, he is Vader's holocron. That's a cool element. Now, what is a holocron? Tell the people. The holocron is essentially what the Sith store, Sith and Jedi. So Jedi's, they're more cubed uh, and Sith, they're triangular prisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's essentially where just they store their teachings. Yeah. Uh, and so it allows you to convey messages. Obi-Wan uh, put, a hol- uh, put a message in a holocron to all the Jedi, uh, essentially giving a message of go into hiding. Um, there, Anakin had a holocron that um, Ahsoka accessed at one point that had some teachings on it, which was really interesting. You got to see like Anakin in the midst of his Darth Vader giving you kind of a lesson, uh, teaching a little bit. Is it on... just a flash drive? Yeah. Okay. It's it's like a it's a hologram based force um, possessed flash drive. So it has it has many force capabilities okay. in the sense that it's not just. Like a, it's just, it's not just technology. No, uh, it is very much spiritual. You, you need to be a force user to open it. Uh, you need to specifically have a connection to either the dark side or light in that regard. Now they're not unlocking its secrets purely just its, its map because this is one is clearly just map based. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really uh, cool element, and likely the guy who puts Kylo's mask together is Vader's armorer. Yeah. Because they're still on Mustafar when he puts his mask together, so like. Just show us something that's kind of a remnant of Vader's castle that they're going into so that we can see that's where they are. Right. That's like that one's a nice one for the fans, but that would be a little bit cooler. That opening scene would have been would have made a lot more sense to a lot more people as to figure out what the maybe the fuck's going on. So then they clear up the whole Snoke mystery and really just one piece of dialogue, which works fine. They're yep, able to wrap does. that up. You know, every voice you've heard in your head, Vader's voice and Snoke's voice, it's all been me, Palpatine. Mm-hmm. They show that he's cloning snoke's down there yep so snoke is actually from exegol yes so that's what we've now learned but there's less cloning in this movie than you thought like we open up on this thing and we're like oh there's the cloning we've been talking about and then that's it yes and no okay so he is and i guess maybe he's the the most successful or maybe he was one of the earlier projects but the sith troopers while not clones are also from exegol okay so they likely are snoke's species so the sith troopers while not looking exactly like Snoke and not being clones, they're all Snoke's species, right. which is really kind of a cool element. Uh, but yeah, Exegol, it's just Snoke. That's where his location was, and Palpatine used him as a puppet because he couldn't show his face in the galaxy. Yes. Because he was enemy number one. Right. And he needed also a way to get close to, to the Skywalker bloodline again. And so then we go back to the Resistance, and we get a really, really fun um, 
adventure sequence mm-hmm. with with Finn and Poe. And a lot of people are criticizing the pacing in particular of the first hour of this movie. I think the first hour is I think the first hour is better than the second hour. Um it's really fun to see them all together. The I, light I, speed skipping? That, absolutely. People are getting mad about that. That has existed in canon and I was thrilled to see it. Uh because it made sense. Of course Leia training Ray is gratifying. Very. Um and I like that they're on a jungle, you know? Like, I know it's... I We talked about how it could have been Endor and that would have been maybe more satisfying. But the fact that it's a jungle at all still gives this movie a sort of Return of the Jedi aesthetic. And yeah. That, that was the intention. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know what the planet is. No? That's... Well, I mean, that'll come out eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have the visual dictionary yet. But, yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I'm not quite sure what the planet is in that one. Uh, speaking of planets, though, we do find confirmation that Kef Burr is the ocean moon of Endor, which is nice. That is cool. Yeah. That's probably the best part of this movie. Cuthbert, right? I mean, like, everything with the water. Be- because of Han- the Han scene, it takes place there. Which is somehow also controversial. Some people are not happy to see Han. That's stupid. It is stupid. It was, I mean, it's the only part that brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, it's the only thing that's, like, really supposed to. And it's also, it's it's a memory, so it makes complete sense. Well, and he He's... calls him dad. And there's there's repetitive mirroring dialogue there. And then he calls him dad, and Han just says, I know. And that's, yeah. that's Han's most important line. As well, it turns out, what was kind of just like a meme I'm a cool motherfucker line from Empire Strikes Back becomes his most important piece of dialogue in the saga. Absolutely. And it's also, Han couldn't say, I love you. So he says, I know. Right. Ben can't say, I love you. So he just says, Dad. Like, just like, he's, it's just like, what did I do? Now, we. And it's also him, because it's a memory, I think it's important that he's saying the exact same lines because it is him reliving that moment in what he should have done all along. Now, we're a little bit underserved in terms of the background between these two in particular we've talked about how he seems to have a particular chip on his shoulder about his dad over his mom Mm. and that's not really um expanded upon except for that he's a very angry person and he he definitely regrets murdering his father yeah 100 percent. i think it comes from the fact that uh leia and him are able to communicate through the force Mm. and that he just he feels alienated from his father and palpatine has stoked that in his mind since he was a child is the fact that your father's nobody yeah he's a muggle yes kind of kind of uh to a degree i think the fact that hans never understood ben because he's so much more powerful than his like his son like his child his little boy could kill him in an instant probably at any point his entire life and it's just like it, 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 it makes sense that Han didn't understand his kid, and it makes sense that Palpatine used that to just completely turn Ben. In a big way, Han is the most uh, faithful character in all of Star Wars, right? He's mm-hmm. he's the one who doesn't have the support of Force sensitivity himself, and he does a complete 180, and he puts all of his love mm-hmm. and, and faith in the Force. Yep. Yep. No, that's why, that's why Han is incredible on just it's a wonderful ending and i i thought it was going to happen i didn't think it was going to be that big i did not think he'd have that important of a scene he's in it maybe more than luke it might might be a longer scene than luke's it might be yeah uh let's go to luke okay i like the scene it was fine it It, it was it was it was brief i remember you said a long time ago and i think i agreed with you that he was probably going to have a number of force ghost appearances and I, mean, I was hoping he would. I mean, Tatooine notwithstanding, he he sure didn't. He no. was just one little thing on Octu. I knew he'd raise the X-wing out of the water. That was cool. Um, that was and great. That was great. Was a nice flashback to Yoda. Uh, he could have got his hair washed or cut before this movie. <laughs> Pretty scraggly. It looked gross. Yeah. It was greasy and longer than usual, and he looked like such a fucking hippie. 
um it, yeah it just it, it didn't it took me out of it and no it was noticeably so different from he has two different haircuts in the last jedi and you're giving us a third haircut he's a ghost he's a dead guy don't give us a third haircut yeah um i did like his scene but yeah it was very underwhelming and the fact that and ryan johnson killed luke skywalker to make him more powerful than you could possibly imagine and he wasn't and he wasn't no that's true i do have a theory about that side of things though okay Okay, I'll get into that, sure. Might as well. Um, more powerful than you can possibly imagine. That line, and luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Okay. Those two lines, I think, are the key to understanding how Ray beats Palpatine. Okay, great. So that was the big, That was the second biggest problem I have with this movie. The biggest problem I have with this movie, and we haven't really talked about it yet, is how Palpatine the fucking came back. Because yep. they do a, an atrocious job of explaining He's it. just back. Um, second one is, that's a really lame way for him to die. Okay. Two lightsabers sending back his lightning force on him. That just doesn't really like that's what's gonna kill him. I don't him. think it's about two lightsabers. I don't I don't really think it's that. I think I think symbolically yeah, the but... Jedi are stronger than the Sith because of love. And so when when he says I'm all the Sith combined and she's like, I'm all the Jedi combined, that's checkmate. Actually that's the thing that I hate. Okay. It's fundamentally not true the sith are absolutely more powerful than the jedi that's the whole point Ross, the thesis of star wars is love begets hate like love is better than hate let me finish what i'm saying then okay because it's the truth why else do you turn to the dark side if not for more power that's the whole goddamn point the jedi are able to win with love even though it's not more powerful it is not more powerful that's the whole point is the fact that they don't have as much power as the sith but their approach to utilizing what the Force is, their understanding of it, their ability to not try and control it. Well, I think it depends on, on how you define power then, because maybe with hate, you can win more arm wrestles. But if you win in the end, then you were more powerful. No. I can't believe you're going to argue that hate is more powerful than love after watching all these Star Wars movies. That's not what I'm saying at all. Okay. I'm saying the Sith are more powerful than the Jedi, and they always have been. And that has always been what the case is. Palpatine is just dummying Luke and Vader. Yeah. Vader chooses love, but he doesn't. It's not that he's stronger than Palpatine. He kills himself in the process. He understands that. He it, it, it's, it's not a one-to-one. Sith are more, are stronger. They're more powerful. Anakin cannot wipe out the entire Jedi Temple unless he's strong enough to do so. Unless he's using the power of but the But again, Sith. we're having a semantic conversation about what power is. Y yes. You are saying he's got bigger muscles and fine. That's yes. okay. And this is why it changes. Okay. Because, we, because I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. All right. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Rey gets her ass kicked by Palpatine. Anyone would. That's why Ray doesn't need to be a Palpatine in that scene. Okay. She can be literally anybody because who's the most powerful force user, period? Uh, Anakin. Anakin, yeah. Anakin is a Jedi in the end. Yes. He's all the, she's all the Jedi. Anakin is there then too. And so if you're saying it's Anakin in his most powerful form as a luminous being, Luke in his most powerful form, as a luminous being. Okay, but I think you're forgetting the biggest thing here, which is that Anakin does defeat Palpatine. Yes. And with that power, so does Rey. Yes, with Anakin's power. Right. Rey is just a just a girl from Jakku. She's just new to the Force. Well, she was never just a girl from Jakku. No, I know. But the point is that it still could work that way. It doesn't matter who she is. It doesn't matter that she's a Palpatine. 
That's the whole point of Ray's journey is the fact that she doesn't need to be from anywhere. She rejects where she comes from. Right. That's true. And her rejecting where she comes from and the force that comes from like Palpatine, she's not strong because she's Palpatine's blood. She's strong because she's so pure that she's able to let the Jedi of history pass through her. She's not the one who's strong. It's the force. It's the light side of the force that's strong. It's Anakin. It's Luke. Palpatine right. is the crude matter. That's the reason why he loses. He's the strong one. Okay. But, but he's the human. I, I, I agree with everything you just said, except that she's not just nobody. She's she is she's in this story because she's a Palpatine, right? That's may, maybe maybe her strength is not rooted in the fact that she has evil in her mm. in her uh, blood, but she's here because he brought her into the world, and she's not just nobody. She's not just Ray from nowhere. And so, what you had said before about how it doesn't really matter in the story that she's a Palpatine, here she is a Palpatine, and so. By the fact that she's here, it matters. I think it matters only in the sense of it makes the story about her coming from nowhere. Like, yeah, her kind of overcoming the coming from nowhere thing. Overcoming coming from nowhere isn't a thing. She overcomes being a Palpatine. And that's a better thing, in my opinion. It is. But in the sense of her place in the light side of all of this, it, it, she, her rejecting the Palpatine part of it is a, a personal character, uh, an arc for her. I believe it has nothing to do with uh, the ability for her to beat Palpatine. Okay. I mean, he had to die at the end of this movie. And that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about Palpatine. Uh, do you feel uh, closure, at least in his death? Do you feel there was a finality to his death the way you did at the end of Return of the Jedi? I don't think they did it nearly as well as they should have or well, could have. Because they didn't have a whole lot of development for the character. There was no time. I think one of the biggest ways to understand this movie and the way I'm going to view it the next time I watch it and the one that's going to, I think, answers a lot of the questions is if you view Exegol as, as, one, as one specific thing, is if you view it as hell. Mm. So Palpatine is referred to as Space Satan by George Lucas a lot. Okay. That makes sense. And hell... Its depiction, actually, in a lot of different mediums is extremely reminiscent of Exegol. Okay. Uh, especially, especially inside the Sith Temple with the way that it's like kind of a, like a stadium style with all of the Sith and the, the just ominous lightning and vastness that exists there. Yeah, do you think that's more hellish than, say, Mustafar? Interestingly, I kind of do. I don't it, necessarily disagree. It's the just fire and it's, it's not the more conventional like fiery hell that you think of. True. However, the fire and brimstone, they do travel through that to get there. True. Yep. In the sense of their kind of way to the unknown regions, and it also allows it to kind of be a final resting place. There it's a final destination. There's finality to it, and if you can view it that way, it's almost like you have angels walking into hell to slay the devil. Yeah. Like and that. if you have angels slaying the devil in his lair, that adds a level of finality to the devil's death that really matters. Yeah. And it also adds a level of importance to Vader sending him to hell. So right. Vader killing him by sending him to hell. Now, I believe it makes sense that Palpatine had cloned himself on Exegol, knowing that if he died, his force life would go to hell right back into his own body. Yes. So if he found hell physically, he was good. He just had to set up shop in hell so that when his soul went to hell, he could repopulate it. Well, and 
it also is literally hell in that it is populated with a bunch of deceased spirits. Deceased, yeah. So it Sits. it really makes sense if you view it that way, and it means that Ben Solo not becoming a Force ghost, while a massive issue in this movie, that the only it's things dis- the only things that can make sense are you've given us an opportunity for an episode ten. Yeah. They gave way too much hope for an episode 10 in this movie for a movie they kept saying we're just going to be final. That was another thing. I think there's more room for an episode 10 in this than there was after Return of the Jedi. It doesn't make sense that he doesn't appear on Tatooine with the with the rest of the Skywalker blood. But then you could also say that maybe his force ghost comes when Rey dies. He sent his final last bit of life force into Rey, uh, and he is a, an angel who, who dies in hell. His potential soul is lost. Right, There's potential for that, that he made even a greater sacrifice, that he doesn't just become one with the Force, he becomes one with Rey, but his soul is lost. That's true. Do we see his body? Yeah, we do see his body fade. His body fades, but his spirit doesn't rise. Right, evidently. Ultimately, would have been nice to add that a little bit to um, the... Uh, but, so, sorry, also with Force ghosts, I am thinking Anakin wasn't in this movie because it's never been established before, but it makes sense. Maybe you have to have met the person. Yeah, maybe. It only ever has occurred in that way in the past. That's true. You had to know the person to it's be able to communicate with them. It's funny that we've never thought about them. it that way. And also, maybe, potentially, you need to be pure of heart to communicate with them. Hence the reason why Luke wasn't able to haunt Ben and why Anakin never said, dude, it's Palpatine who's talking to you, not me. Yeah, there's some unanswered questions there. What about just the ethical dilemma of bringing... Uh, Anakin's force ghost out on Tatooine where he so suffered like maybe that was some of the withholding yeah it doesn't satisfy the fact that Kylo Ren would have been very nice to see on Tatooine come, yeah. come to Rey who is having this like closing moment uh, also the closing moment I do, although I did really like it um, I'm sorry did you steal BB-8 from Poe was BB-8 there? Yeah. Oh, really? Why? Well, I mean, she's going to go back, right? She's not leaving yeah. Poe. No, I don't think so. It just, it seems a little odd, especially as he lost his shit at her at the beginning of the movie for hurting him. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I turned to you and yeah. I said, these two are in love. It's their, it's their opening interaction in the movie. It's they're very Han Leia. They're bickering just like Han and Leia in Empire Strikes Back. And then there was nothing more from that. No, no, Poe's relationship was very clearly with Zori. Yeah, Poe was great in this movie. Yeah, he was. Finn was Finn was incomplete. Now, do you want to talk about his his biggest incompletion in the film? Sure. So it, it is alongside Ben Solo, the uh, not being a Force ghost. In my opinion, the two least defensible parts of the he movie. He has this thing he wants to say to Ray. He doesn't get the chance to say it, and then it's referenced a few more times throughout the movie. What was that thing you wanted to say to Ray? Mm. Doesn't matter. And so there are two things you could surmise. It's either that he loves her or he thinks he's force sensitive, which I think is the far more likely one. Me too. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're I think partly it's supposed to be left open and I think that was a terrible decision. But if you were to suppose that it's he loved her, he did clearly kind of love her in The Force Awakens. Yep. Um and also sometimes and I heard somebody else say this, sometimes when you love somebody, you never get the chance to tell them. And that is beautiful and poetic she lives but it's though. not it's not she lives they remain friends yeah and it's not clear that that's what they're going for no not at all and also in ad- additional canon material it does state that finn is not romantically linked with ray so right. it, it almost guarantees that it had to have been the force sensitive thing in which case give that to us mm-hmm. now i mentioned before that this the the likely there's been rumors from lucasfilm 
So Lucasfilm employees have kind of gone to Reddit a little bit to to actually defend JJ a bit. Okay. And sp- in saying that this movie was kind of what you all everything you're complaining about was was in there at one point. Don't worry about it. It was all explained clearer uh, and with George Lucas's input, uh, but. The cut was a little inside baseball, and Bob Iger had him make adjustments for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. And eventually, it got to something that was nothing like the original script. It got committed to death. Exactly. Yeah. So Matt Smith was exactly what I leaned over to you. Apparently, Matt Smith was supposed to be uh, restored, rejuvenated Palpatine. I was shocked he wasn't in this movie. I was shocked too. Shock. I was I, so sure he'd be in this I movie. I even got a Google notification the day before saying, check out Matt Smith's new movie, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and they and, call it his movie. Oh, that's the thing I thought was like, <laughs> this is just like rubbing it in my face because this is stupid. It's under no circumstances his movie, even if he's in it. But now I know he's in it and he wasn't in it. He so I, I have, that was the weirdest Google alert in history. Yeah. Uh, but that was one that's kind of interesting. And I think because people were so excited about Ian McDermott, that's the reason why they changed it. And that's fine. That one works totally fine. Sucks for Matt Smith. Who, Sucks for Matt Smith. Who would have been great casting, and and I'd like to see him in Star Wars. There was another rumor that he was also cast as the son of Mortis. Interesting. And that that was the, like, in a longer, like a potential different cut of this is that he's the son of Mortis aligned with Palpatine's kind of Sith dead corpse. Well, and glad, the two of them are the main villains. I'm glad you brought up Mortis because we talked so much about this dagger. Yeah. And you gave so much background about why the, the dagger was significant. And indeed, it shows up and plays a role in this film, again, in a MacGuffin kind of context. Um, very shopping listy. It's very running errands. And I was worried that that would be the case. And then they don't really fulfill the the dagger storyline at all. And I, I thought maybe they would hesitate uh, developing the dagger storyline because of how inside baseball it is. And as it turns out, that's probably exactly what happened. They might have planned to put the dagger in there and explain the whole background, but it would have been a four-hour movie mm-hmm. and Bob Iger had his way with it. That's a shame. That's a it's a real shame. Now, another point somebody pointed out online about the dagger that is it's one of those little things that you complain about after the fact, but is a very, 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 very good point, mm-hmm. is you're telling me this ancient Sith dagger is perfectly aligned in its shaping to be the same as the tossed and turned ocean wreckage of the death star to point to a ruler that comes out of the handle with the blood of her parents on it that points to the location of the holocron maybe it was prophetic maybe it was like that's seriously prophetic design of a knife I honestly didn't really even understand the ruler thing where she holds it up and I was like what do you I don't see like it lining up it barely did. Yeah. And that was the thing. It wasn't like a super distinct shape that aligned with like the Death Star's um, like dish. Yeah. It just aligns with part of the wreckage. It's kind of dumb. Yeah. I was I was a little lost. And I was going with it. Kind of impossible. I was going with it. Me but, too. That's but, the thing. It didn't throw me out of anything. In retrospect, though, it's horrendous decision making. The dagger didn't need to be in this movie. They could have found, found an easier way to find uh, the Death Star. So many different ways. Yeah. Uh, How do they find the dagger, though? Through Lando. Yep. This is another thing that's going to make people pissed. All right. Because this is a line that was cut from the movie for no fucking reason. How creepy is it that he's sitting on that log with Janna at the end, and he just kind of says a weird out-of-the-blue line, like, we got to find that out, or sort of thing. Like It was weird. Is he hitting on her? Is it supposed to be some sort of ridiculously stretched-out indication that they might be related? 
I think it was, I don't think it was either. I think mm. it was like, I could be a father figure to you, it's, which is a little racist, by the way. It's super racist, but it's actually not true. It's mm. straight up the second thing I mentioned. He had, there's a line in the script of Lando saying that he tried to start a family once, but the First Order stole his daughter. It really seemed like they were going there. It's in the visual dictionary. Yeah. That Lando tried to start a family. So that line is in the script and it got cut, but they didn't cut the interaction at the end, which resolves that yeah. that tease. Yeah. That's very So silly. Jana is supposed to be Finn's daughter. Mm. Sorry, supposed to be uh, Lando's daughter. Yeah. That right. is unbelievably bad well, editing. And by cutting out that tease... You really kind of ruin the point of having Janna in this movie at all. Entirely. Because we thought that she was going to fulfill some kind of loneliness within Finn. And mm -hmm. she doesn't really do that. They spend a lot of the movie together, but she's, she he doesn't... He feels he's not alone in the sense of, of deserting, but... Right, but she doesn't... That's true. But she doesn't need to be in here. Like, certainly Zori Bliss is a more interesting character developmentally who, who totally should have left with the resistance as opposed to just randomly showing up again, not dead on Kajimi. How about General Pride? Because we haven't talked a whole lot about Hux, who I actually think one of the best comedic moments is I Am the Spy. Uh, I don't. I do think Poe's reaction to it is one of the best comedic moments. What? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I'm okay with it. I think that you never had to... There was never that much emotional investment in Hux that his, his death was appropriate. It was really the only death this movie committed to. Kylo also, but like... <laughs> they uh, definitely didn't commit to deaths. Nope. Chewie, Ray. I mean, man, I've... I, Kylo. Um, yeah, that's true. Kylo, he, he almost dies. He stabbed in the stomach. Although that's good. That was a good moment. Oh, it was great. Um, when you think Chewie dies, that is was probably a top five yeah. most evocative feelings moment in Star Wars. And then they then they renege it. Um, I still don't really understand how he I wasn't on that ship. I think I know. And it's, once again, it's, it's just kind of shitty editing. Mm. Uh, and I think it's the fact that Finn just turns his back for a moment to go tell them what's happening. Right. And the one with Chewie already leaves, but they're still... Not, it, it's, once again, it's bad editing. You were right about her accidentally shooting lightning out of her hands and, look, and looking at her hands in horror. I know. You nailed that. Well, the trailer shouldn't have put that in there. It was, in my opinion, too obvious. And yeah. that's when I knew of going in. I was like, okay, I know she's going to be a Palpatine. Yes. Uh, and when you... And when... Palpatine said to Kylo at the start of the movie, it's time she learned who she really is. Yeah, well, you learned over to me and said, cloning? And I said, no, nah, she's a Palpatine. That's right. That's right. Um, Pride. I wanted to talk about General Pride, who yep. I also didn't think needed to be in this movie. I thought he was really good. Yeah. But he didn't really need to be like a recognizable actor who like served a role. I mean, he kills Hux. Maybe we just needed to have somebody like working bu yeah. bureaucratically who wasn't a traitor. I think you partly need to show that the Emperor was part of the First Order all along to yes. show that he had really high-ranking officials who were ready to mutiny over whoever was in charge, that if Kylo Ren wasn't going to do what the Emperor wanted, that they would just do what the Emperor wanted when right. the time came. And that's why he's actually referred to as Allegiant General Pride. Oh, that's really good. That's so smart. his allegiance is to the Emperor. Not to bounce around, but another death they didn't commit to, frankly, is 3PO, who was never going to die, per se. Totally. But they were going to kill his character personality. Yep. And then they just didn't. Yeah, I thought that was really weak. I would have even been okay if they... Um, I thought. I think I was expecting and would have been a much better way to service the nine movies mm -hmm. is if he was... Like, just restore it. I don't know. That wouldn't have worked. But he's restored at the end of Revenge of the Sith. It's not even the first time he gets restored. Well, like, it, it's not that great of a risk to wipe 3PO. No, no, no. He's wiped at the end of Revenge of the Sith. 
Yeah. And that was what I was ready to say. I was going to say I was expecting him to be restored to his memories at that date. That would have been cool. And But then I realized he was wiped on the Tantive Four, and so you wouldn't be able to have R2 do it. He would have had to have... The Tantive Four is in the movie, though, so it could have worked. That's right. Okay, there's one other... Uh, it's not really an issue, but it's something we've talked at great length about that we shouldn't have spent so much time on. And it's the Knights of Ren. Yep. Uh, they just turned out to not matter at all. They were worse Praetorian guards. Yeah. They were wearing black, so they were harder to see. They weren't as good at fighting. And uh, they take their time more than Praetorian guards. Be meaning fair. they kind of didn't hit Kylo at once. They kind of just said, all right, we're going to do one by one and let you kill us each. True. I know. <laughs> that's that's kind of like an old kung fu movie trope that's a yeah. little silly if well, you overanalyze it. that's what I loved it. about the Praetorian guards is because yeah. they don't. Yeah, that's right. They go gung-ho, we're going to kill you both. And now, it's a little bit... It's a little bit tricky to say that they're not strong because the only combat we really see them in is with Kylo Ren, who's an exception. Yes, um, but versus the Praetorian Guards. But we, it would have been helpful. And in fact, it would have serviced his murdering of them if we had seen them be badass before. Yeah. And we hadn't. No, we just saw... It's them. not even really clear who they are or what they do. We even, like, I think we lose one of them on a, one of the transports anyway. That's right. Ray electrocutes one of them and just knocks him down that way. So, And uh, they're canonically force users, but that's not evident in this movie. So how it works is... Uh, oh, that's your cat. <laughs> Cat's here. Um, they have... The masks that they wear are masks of uh, long-lost Sith. Oh, okay. And they're Sith worshippers, and they're acolytes of the Force in that way. And essentially, they give themselves up to be possessed right. to a degree. And that allows them to have access to certain dark side abilities. Um, but they don't really get into that at all. No, whatsoever. not so much. <laughs> uh, and even seen with the, like the the Sith troopers as well. Mm-hmm. I don't really get into anything as to why they're remotely important whatsoever. I don't. I don't want this just to be a podcast where we just talk about negative things because I. I do. I have a. I have actually. I have a list of takebacks and I have a list of best moments and the best moments list is longer. Then let's get to that in a minute. But I. I do and I do want to say one other thing that we we actually didn't spend that much time discussing it, but a lot of people did. Dark uh, Ray? Dark Ray. It was. It couldn't have been less. No, I knew exactly what it was going to be that. You were right. You were right. It had to be that. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool that they fought. Uh, I think it was extra dumb, though, that she had a double-bladed lightsaber. I thought it was that was really stupid, to had be nothing to do with Ray, really. No, especially as in the end, which I'll... Let's transition to that That's one as well. The, I love it. I love... It. Honestly, her lightsaber hilt is one of my all-time favorite lightsaber hilts. Me too. It is a repurposed piece of her staff. She spins a wheel to ignite it. It's and it, so fucking cool. And it's yellow. Oh, I love it. I, I love, love it, it in every way. I love the yellow. I've always thought a yellow saber was going to be so cool. Uh, original toys for Return of the Jedi had Luke having a yellow saber in that movie. Um, I was so excited to see it. I thought it was great. Like you said, the design was awesome. That staff has been waited to be turned into a lightsaber since episode seven. Absolutely. So obviously. What is the significance of a yellow lightsaber uh, religiously? So the meanings of the colors have really kind of become more loosey-goosey in canon now in the sense that uh, kyber crystals are not color-based. They are clear and they are, once they bond with a Jedi and are inserted into a lightsaber a color is is released. Okay. It comes out in that color. Um, and so yellow generally existed in Legends as one who was somewhat in between the the, the guardian nature of a blue lightsaber, someone who uses uh, the force in a defensive measure to 
use a lightsaber and to act almost like a like a warrior for the good of the force right um and a green lightsaber being a console a conduit someone who who's less likely to ignite their lightsaber and more likely to try and commune with the force to resolve an issue okay whereas a yellow would be someone kind of in between but somebody who walks alone a little bit somebody who that's nice op- for ray somebody who operates a little bit in the shadows somebody yep. who could potentially never use their lightsaber for years or somebody who under the right circumstance could could would would, would do anything need be it's it's a very it's fitting for ray it's very fitting for ray yeah uh someone who someone who walks alone someone who kind of operates in the shadows somebody who is who is very very pure uh it doesn't have any indications of like uh, purple, which is kind of like the ability to tap around the dark side, but never let it impact you, like Mace Windu. What? Um, which would have also made a ton of sense for Ray, but I was I liked that they went yellow. No, I think this is better, and I it's agree. more conclusive. Honestly, at the end of the story, what's next for Ray? No idea. And I don't mean like what are we going to witness, but like what does she go on to do as a young person, as as a young person and the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy? Well, I mean that's kind of a weird thing, is. Does she go on to train the Jedi? Because this is another thing that also made it a little bit hard for me, is that we are left in the exact same spot as Return of the Jedi in a couple ways. And was it as satisfying as the end of Return of the Jedi? No, it wasn't. But it was still pretty damn good, and so it, it works. Yeah. Um, but in that same vein, Finn is Leia, someone who we kind of have a belief that maybe has the Force. They've Essentially, Finn has used all of the same Force abilities that Leia used in the original trilogy. Really? Did he have some kind of, like... Yeah. There's, like, four times in the movie where he makes something, like, he knows something is happening. That's true. And it's like, no, you shouldn't be able to. How did you know that was the Star Destroyer? How did you know Rey was there? How did you know to look behind you right then? We don't... It's not so clearly represented as Leia, though, like, who literally hears Luke's voice while he's hanging from the weather vane. True. That's true. But, I don't know. I think watching this again tonight, knowing that and looking out for those moments specifically, I think it's going to be kind of all over the wall well because i yes because i expected that he was going to try and tell ray that he's pretty sure he's he's force sensitive yeah i was looking for it anyway and you're right it comes up in this movie yeah it comes up a lot and so ray has a lightsaber she's built her own she's kind of like off on so it's very much like where luke skywalker was at the end of return of the jedi um uh what i had suggested about poe kind of becoming the general of the resistance totally happened is true yep we, along with finn i thought that was kind of cool our three i heroes... also really like the way that finn was like oh well thank you and then goes back to the conversation <laughs> yeah their, their chemistry is really excellent it's insane, yeah. but it's it's kind of a shame that that there's not more from john boyega in this trilogy because he is mm-hmm. he's as charismatic as the rest of them and Absolutely. he's and he's so heroic in the force awakens and we, we never quite get that from him again well john was wasted in this movie and as a result of that we don't have him be with rose and Jana. Well, dull, you, dull, and almost as dull. Since you mentioned Rose, she is tragically sidelined in this movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of too bad. It's really too bad for Kelly Marie, who was demoted by the court of public opinion. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Although you, she wasn't a great actress in the Rise of Skywalker, in the Last Jedi. Weirdly, well, that's true. But that you could blame that on the writing. We don't know if yep. she's a good actress. Absolutely. Um, weirdly, Maz Kanata was also sidelined in this movie and the Last Jedi. Maz Kanata didn't need to be in this movie. She was kind of, or in The Last Jedi. Well, it's weird because she didn't need to be in The Last Jedi and she didn't need to be in this movie and it would have been weird to not have her come back. But at the same time, it's so weird having her in such a small capacity. Yeah. So it's like, shit her get off the pot. That's what I think. Give, put, give her a little bit more. Come on. Yeah. Uh, giving the medal to Chewie. 
in my opinion, is is good fa- is good and shitty fan service. What's wrong with it? Because it was one of my favorite things I've ever seen. It, it, what's wrong with it is the fact that it is purely, completely out of nowhere. Like, it just... Leia had the medal of Han, and it works in that regard. And the fact that it's Han's medal that Chewie gets... Yes. That's great. That is not... I don't believe that's what JJ was trying to convey necessarily out of the gate. No, it was for us. It, it wasn't... It, it was for the people who've been bitching since 77. In my opinion... That was unnecessary. Except uh, for that they're kind of, they kind of have a point that Chewie does deserve a medal at the end of the first movie. He In canon, he gets one and and, and gives it away. Oh, interesting. Because they don't care about those things right. at, at all. Right. He will keep this one because it's Hans and Leia's. Well, he's always been sentimental. In that regard. So, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I adored, adored Chewie just losing it when Leia dies. Yes. Oh, when he fell down. He falls down and he just starts slamming his fist on the ground. He is just, he's a wreck. Can we talk a little bit about the cinematic feat that was bringing Carrie Fisher back to life for this movie? It was excellent. Look, I mean, it's 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 a little translucent in that you can see what they're doing, but they pulled it off, man. Yes, everything she says is kind of a vague platitude. Yeah. Yes, she only exists in her own camera shots because she's been green screened into whatever scene they're using. Mm. Although occasionally she's like in the same shot as Dominic Monaghan, which is impressively done. And in it, it does look for I, it tonight. I, I, I didn't notice that one. Yep. Um, she hugs Ray, of course, but they already had that. In in every way, it it propels the story in a very natural way. And I'm so impressed. Yeah. No, it, it was it was great. I couldn't have asked for more with Leia. I thought everything they did with it was perfect. Did you hear JJ talking about her reference to him in mm-hmm. The Princess Diarist? Yeah, about how they'd worked together twice. Twice, and they'd only ever worked together once. Yeah, this is a, a, a kind of a miraculous, maybe Carrie Fisher's, Carrie, Carrie Fisher's actually an angel kind of thing where she wrote in her memoir that was only published the year before her death. Mm. Um that she enjoyed working with J.J. twice when she, in fact, only had worked with him once, although now she's been in two of his movies. And so that's amazing. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't blow my mind if, and I don't know how the timelines work on this at all, at all, but it wouldn't blow my mind if, like, Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger um, had asked her, mm. I know you've worked with J.J. and Ryan. We're going to bring J.J. back for nine now that we're firing Trevorrow. Um just mentioning that to to her as kind of like the a bit of the bit of the matriarch of Star Wars at the moment, in the sense that she's a she's also a script doctor. She's worked on both sides of Star True, Wars. True, that's a good point. She understands it from both perspectives. But and I I really have to check the timeline on this. Don't forget, she died the same Christmas as Rogue One. I'm not sure JJ was brought on at that point. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't I don't think he had been. Um, potential there was discussions. Uh, because I know Ryan Johnson was offered it first. And this was another rumor that came from Lucasfilm. Coming closer to your microphone. Uh, actually, yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to go into some of that stuff, there's just additional kind of stuff from Lucasfilm. Uh, it does seem that uh, it's a massive shit show. Yeah. And they, that, have, they have seemed fraught for a couple years, frankly. Yeah, a year and a half anyway. Redditors who claim to work for Lucasfilm, I mean, is the... Is that possible? I mean, yeah, it's possible that they're telling the truth. It's possible they're not telling the truth. However, Reddit has had a lot of accurate people who have connections to Lucasfilm ruining shit. True, but if I work for Lucasfilm, I'm not going to Reddit about what's going on at work. Doesn't matter. People have done it. So that's why it's added, unfortunately, some credibility to the potential that these could be true. Okay. Um, And that's that Ryan Johnson has been fired. He will be announced as being fired in the new year. He was fired a long time ago. Um, yeah, that, I, I mean, he and Kathleen Kennedy, it won't surprise me, are on completely the same page. 
Bob Iger and Alan Horn did not like The Last Jedi. Uh, what is with this Bob Iger? Not that I know, but like, we're just speaking mm. uh, predictively. Yes, exactly. Hypothetically. Who does Bob Iger think he is trying to interfere with the art of something that has always gone pretty well? Well, apparently it kind of came to the point, well, he was the one who didn't want Ryan Johnson back, but wanted JJ back and gave JJ a lot of control and JJ maybe made the mistake of letting them know that it could be a little inside baseball. Okay. And then them getting terrified. Yeah. And so they apparently just got like, they became chicken shit about everything Mm -hmm. and anything that could have been controversial was kind of just like cut out tastefully worked around and then just a lot of things in the end don't make sense and so that there's a very good chance that like you said about like kind of like the snyder cut like that this is a justice league that came out better but is an editing room nightmare that was written the way we probably all wanted it or just a sanitized version of what could have been a little a little bit more gratifying yeah but i don't even think so much like to me i don't find it to be i don't i don't think they have any miscues i don't think there's, there's nothing wrong with the story in this it's just that it's not done. It's not as fleshed out as it could be. It's like somebody like did a retelling of it. Well, alternatively, and I don't necessarily think this is the case, but uh, I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, JJ, suppose JJ doesn't know every little nitty gritty detail about Star Wars. I'm confident he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. And so maybe he just made the movie he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. That's a point I'm going to make a little later in something I want to discuss. But... Um, he he might not be the Dave Filoni that we all want him to be, right? He's not. Of course he's not. And so maybe he just made a movie not knowing all the rules. You know how like a few years ago for a, a present, I wrote you a Star Wars movie? Mm-hmm. It's full of all kinds of canonical problems. It doesn't work in the Star... It doesn't follow the rules of Star Wars. But maybe he did that. I think there's a little bit of that, but that's not his job. Okay. This is not episode one. This is not episode four. Under no circumstance is that his job is to write whatever the fuck he wants. Um, no, but that's also the main problem they had with Ryan Johnson. He wrote whatever the hell he wanted. Which is really the main problem with Kathleen Kennedy because that's not on either of them to have to decide. Okay. Um, that's And that's really where it all stems down from is the fact that you needed treatments so that it all made sense through and through so that people can't just do these crazy things. Right. I do think, though, that there's too many pieces there. JJ's not dumb enough to to just not answer some of these questions. It, it, it has to have been, they were answered and they've been removed because things like maybe the scene that clarifies something also opens X number of questions that make the movie 40 minutes longer. Yes. And so... It's so weird that they would be reluctant to make this movie 40 minutes longer. Well, A- after, they, after Endgame was such an enormous success. I know. They were reluctant to make it two, two hours 35 like it was initially and JJ cut 20 minutes out of it like, in the last two months. I want to see those 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, what the fuck were they? Yeah. I also have to say, the last battle between Ray and Palpatine isn't long enough. No. Nope. Neither is... And the Kylo Ren versus the... The Ben Solo versus the Knights of Ren, not long enough. And also, it is the same style as the Praetorian Guards. It would have been cool if he used the Force before he got his lightsaber and took out a couple of them that way. Yes. As opposed to just, like, dodging shit and using the blaster, but maybe actually, like, throwing them or... Like holding one of them in place while he fights the rest of them. Right. <laughs> Just something. Something. Make it a little bit different. Doesn't seem totally fleshed out. But as an overall, I think that's maybe a little bit of our job over time to, to kind of figure out. The biggest miss, though, and the one we haven't really talked about much is 
How the fuck did Palpatine come back? Yeah, I mean, it no. it might be enough that, as I said before, it has always been fundamental to his character that that he's obsessed with immortality, mm -hmm. uh, and so. And, and I heard somebody else make this point as well, it's a long history in Star Wars of people falling down shafts and not dying. Of course. Now, his looks a little different than most people's, where it certainly looks like an eruptive, conclusive death. And then the Death Star blows up. And then the Death Star he blows, blows up. He blows up twice. He does, but he's he does, he is exempt from most conventional human yes. situations. There are two lines in the movie that provide context to how he survives. Okay. And it's not nearly enough. It's not enough. I died once. Right. I can do it again or I can... Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm not afraid to do it again. Well, it's, in, it's in his monologue about throwing Ben Solo down the pit. Right. Uh, and so he died. Vader killed him. Well, that's what I hoped would be the case. Me too. I didn't want him to have lived somehow. Dominic Monhan also says through like science and cloning and dark magic. And so there's that element. But then there's the other line that Palpatine says where he repeats from Revenge of the Sith, the dark side is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. So he says that line again. But the unfortunate thing about that is, here he died a second time, and I'm not positive he can't come back again. Exactly. And a lot of people have the problem of, they think, oh, Rey killed him. How come Rey doesn't have the Sith in her now? Well, no, he killed himself. Okay. He caves in on himself. It's his own lightning. I don't agree with that one. Yeah, okay. Rey, Rey does not strike him down in anger. No. So, no. She does not have the Sith in her. No. He kills himself in anger because he's so powerful in hell that he can't stop that lightning from coming out of his hands. Rey's just exerting and she just electrocutes a goddamn tanker. Yes. So, I don't think Palpatine has control at that point and Rey doesn't use anger. So, okay. ultimately, I don't have any issue with that one. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the finality, it's, it's hard to see. Like, where could potentially his body have gone? And so... If he's in hell, it makes it that final destination. Whereas if he had those clones there and he intended to die, it allows him to do that essence transfer. And also, it explains why he's so disgustingly decrepit in the movie. He's a zombie, really. He's a zombie. Yeah. But also in that same vein, Luke Skywalker, he projects himself across the galaxy to fight Ben Solo and it kills him. Yeah. Leia projects her voice across the galaxy just to say one word to Ben Solo and that kills her. Yes. It's potential that she also was responsible for Ben remembering Han that way. Just mm -hmm. a little bit more than, than just saying a word, but it kills her. Yes. Palpatine projects himself through Snoke for 30 years. <laughs> okay. And he's not dead. All right. That is the most powerful thing imaginable. That is ridiculous. That is, that is very fair. That is a very fair comment. Um. Additionally, his fingers look kind of... Someone mentioned online, I'll have to take a look at this again. I haven't been able to see it. They said they looked sewn together. Oh, wow. So, I don't quite know what that means. It means like, he blew up and he had to put himself back together. Well, I would really hate that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> I, great. I would really, really hate that if his body is literally sewn back together. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the his... fingers, I don't know, maybe it's because of the electricity and just like... They've burnt his own hands. That's kind of cool. And that potentially, yeah, it's that his fingers have been like that what for a while. his mechanical walker thing? Which Becky hadn't seen in the... My fiance hadn't seen it in the trailer, and so she was caught off guard by it, and she found it kind of silly. It was. Yeah, it is. It, it was very silly, but it's to show that he doesn't have... He's not the emperor we know. That's true. In the sense that his physical form is, is pretty weak. 
But I mean, he it always th- has been. His physical form has been weakened for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's crude matter. That's yeah. the problem with the Sith. They're not luminous beings. They're crude matter who cling to the life, whereas the Jedi are willing to become part of the Force. And when you become part of the Force with your goodness, the Force controls everything. But isn't that ultimately the greatest power? Yeah. But that's a different kind of power. That's what I'm talking about. Raw power, no one can beat Palpatine. Okay. Yeah. It's just straight up not possible. I mean, he electrocuted everything in the sky with with his hands. It's just... That was cool, by the way. It was so cool. But like nobody can come close to his power. And so you just put up the defenses mm-hmm. and he takes himself down mm-hmm. and it's Anakin being there and it's, it's, it's all of them being there. And so I think that's, it kind of works in the sense of you still have the power killing the power. Yeah. It's like he lost because of his arrogance in return of the Jedi. He loses because of his arrogance here as well. Uh, just into kind of potentially bigger stakes. Yes. I think it could have been done cooler. I mentioned the, a Barbosa style death was what I was hoping for. Something yeah. with some real, just, uh, although I thought that one was one with great finality. They bring him back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that would have been very cool. Once you brought somebody back, you kind of opened a can of worms. You That's... do have to. And I think they didn't do a good enough job to close that can of worms for forever. But you know what? Maybe maybe I shouldn't have been so naive as to think that Disney would not want to leave the door open for episode 10. Okay. There's something else we haven't even referenced, which I think is very, very gratifying. And it's the flashback to when Luke is training Leia. Yes, I have that on you. That's phenomenal. It's so good. Yeah. Um, we. It's very clear to me that it's Billy Lord uh, digitally enhanced to look like her own mother. It is. And it there. she looks far more video gamey than Luke. Luke looks straight out of Return of the Jedi. It's, it's am- weird. It's amazing. It's insane. Yeah. And now they're wearing helmets. And so that helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just quick and there's no dialogue in it. But it's... It's very nice. Now, wasn't there some kind of promise uh, a little while ago that they weren't going to digitally recreate Carrie Fisher for this movie? Yeah, I don't care about that. That's I don't either. That's a young one, and it's uh, Billy Lord. And I actually, I, I kind of was pretty confident this scene was going to be in the movie. It was really nice to see. It was really wonderful. Now to there see. are there are some people, and I don't think they deserve a whole also, lot I of love attention. Also, Saber. I'm so glad we got to see it finally. Me too. Me too. It's not as cool by any means as Ray's Saber. No. Um, or Luke Saber, but it's cool. There are some people with a perspective that I don't think deserves a whole lot of attention, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, it's not clear to them after seeing Empire Strikes Back for some reason that Leia's force sensitive. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm talking about? There's some people who find yeah. it ridiculous. Like for example, when when Leia Poppins happened, they're like, "Wait a second, Leia has the force." And well, of course she does. She always did. Where mm-hmm. have you been? Yeah. Some people are likely to be frustrated by the fact that she's now a Jedi all of a sudden. Yeah, I freaking hope not. I don't think that. If if that's what you're frustrated by, then leave. Bingo. Just leave. Yeah. You didn't you, you didn't like the original trilogy clearly because that's a huge part of it. Right. It, like, I know Leia's not part of the prequels, but like, do you just like the prequels? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That's a weird take. <laughs> okay. Well, since you mentioned that, I, I thought um, maybe you could indulge me for a moment. Uh, sure. This was going to be like our reactionary podcast, and I knew. Pretty quickly, we weren't going to be able to get to it as quickly as we initially wanted to. It's been Mm -hmm. out for a few days now, and uh, we're going to see it again tonight. Um, I I wrote uh, an essay uh, about how I feel about Star Wars in general. And it's it's a little, a little bit. It's it's very word vomity. This has not been workshopped at all. So it's, (laughs) I'm not even sure it has a singular uh, thesis. It's just everything I think about um, Star Wars criticism in general and, and, and what we've been doing here. 
Well, I did something very similar. I mentioned to you, I recorded myself for 25 minutes on my phone workshopping why this movie makes sense. Yeah. Not a single negative note because I didn't make this movie and this movie's made. Yes. This is how it exists in the galaxy far, far away. That's right. It's here now. It's here now. So now it's my job to make sense of it. I'm so glad you said that because I think that is, you'd have to wade through some of the fat that mm. I've that I've included in here. But I think that's generally the point I'm trying to make. And if you'll indulge me, I'd like to yes, read please. it for you. So it's called um, Star Wars, The Futility of the Final Order. The great dissatisfaction with Star Wars as a whole has never been that Star Wars could exist inconsistently with both strong and weak installments. The dissatisfaction is in coming to terms with the fact that a trilogy of Star Wars films would never be singularly perfect in all three of its parts. It's always been about the trilogies, and that's why Episode Nine, the so-called final chapter in the Skywalker saga, can never provide the closure desired by lifelong fans of a different trilogy altogether. For these reasons, it's impossible to judge an individual Star Wars movie as an individual movie, and yet it's all we seem to want to do. Rank your favorite Star Wars movies. Attack of the Clones is bad. Revenge of the Sith is actually pretty decent. Force Awakens is a rehash. Last Jedi is too formula-breaking. Empire is the best, and you're disqualified if you think otherwise. But as we litigate the quality and the sufficiency of each new installment, we pretend our terms and standards are in service of a much fuller body than they actually are. As we postulate and theorize, we're chasing but one dragon, striving to see but one bar cleared, and it's Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. A film with no expectation to succeed that somehow prevailed and changed everything. A slave and a farm boy and a scavenger from nowhere that, against all odds, has become the most evocative installation in a century of storytelling. So let me be clear. There is no good Star Wars and bad Star Wars. There is only one masterpiece and a never-ending string of movies that uniquely support it. In many ways, Empire Strikes Back is inferior to its predecessor because the imaginative achievement so pales in comparison. If we're only judging a film on its academic merits, script efficiency and pacing, reveals per minute technical competency, then Empire might well earn its place on the honor roll, but it's simply not the studyable text that A New Hope is. It's the light show and not the Shakespeare. So where do we get off expecting every new Star Wars movie to march to the beat of an obligatory drum? It's never been up to the court of public opinion, and with this principle as his guide, perhaps the most artful decision director J.J. Abrams can make is to create an imperfect film that simply does or doesn't please its audience. J.J., who's never proclaimed to be the auteur Damon Lindelof is, or Gene Raddenberry is, or George Lucas is, or frankly Ryan Johnson is, couldn't honor his seat at the helm more respectfully than to make the movie you may or may not have wanted to see. Lawrence Kasdan is similar to J.J. in that he's a stellar adapter of existing property with a keen technical understanding of how to illustrate something that's both mass-pleasing and critically literate. But do you really think The Rise of Skywalker would have been better if J.J. had Larry co-write the script? No. Consider how the main criticism of their last partnership was its riskless nature. As I left the first viewing of Star Wars Episode Nine in the relieving breaths of a two-year gasp, I chose to believe only in the importance of loving this film with my entire self. And then for 45 minutes, my brother and I discussed its alleged shortcomings. Though reactionary, I can say this with certainty. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker effectively dissuades my feelings of defense towards Star Wars The Last Jedi and ultimately proves its deserved condemnation. 
Star Wars 9 serves to confirm that Star Wars 8 committed cardinal sin in its very ingenuity and creativity and audacity to try. The Last Jedi failed because it chose not to cooperate with Star Wars. And if you contest that conformity is a strict fundamental of this saga, I give you The Rise of Skywalker, a film that should have collapsed beneath its own pressure and didn't. With the tent poles of death hoax subversions, half-baked conceptual introductions, and allowably indirect incest, this movie was, as was all could be expected of it, a Star Wars movie. But the Star Wars movie, Episode Four: A New Hope, didn't face this decade-strong generational pressure to please. On the contrary, it was expected to fail. And thus, Star Wars movies are not built to sustain complete satisfaction on a deep and critical level. They're not built to check every box. They're not even built to make a whole lot of sense. They're built to entertain you. And they did that as soon as it was announced Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher would be reprising their original characters in 2015's The Force Awakens. That was the fan service. But what many passionate fans think is in fact fan disservice, i.e. the deaths of these characters being brought on by something so trivial as exhaustion, for example. I think is entirely apt. Indeed, Luke and Leia, and then Rey and Kylo, all die from exertion, from tiredness. But so do all conceptual things if given the chance to live long enough. That's why the real triviality is in weighing the pros and cons of any Star Wars movie beyond the original. You either had fun or you didn't. JJ and Kathleen and Daisy and Harrison and everybody else did their job, as did you by giving it a chance. But let's end the trial. Case closed. Star Wars criticism has died of exhaustion. I love The Rise of Skywalker because it's provided me with an opportunity to get excited about movies and adventure and family and storytelling in a way one rarely gets to do. I did my job. I saw the movie. And I didn't just have fun for those two and a half hours. I've had fun ever since I saw Star Wars A New Hope. And that is built to last. Nice. Well said. Very, very well said. It's a little flowery, but uh, no, I, 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 think, I think that as... As much fun as we have doing this podcast, it, it is kind of futile to discuss what's good and what's bad. It, yep. it is what it is. I agree. Uh, really, the only thing I disagreed with what you said there was the Last Jedi stuff. Okay. I, I actually, I think that that... You have to agree that, that Rise of Skywalker flagrantly disregards a lot of The Last Jedi because of how controversial it was. Yes, it absolutely does. And I think that's a fault of The Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Because that is not the job of The Rise of Skywalker. The Last Jedi happened, just as The Rise of Skywalker happened. No, I agree with that. And under those circumstances, J.J.'s disregard for those measures is inconsiderate and unnecessary. The Last Jedi happened, and it was respected in certain areas and was mirrored beautifully in others, uh, and some stuff was slapped in the face. We've already disgusted that The Last Jedi has some huge flaws. I completely disagree that it breaks formula for Star Wars. I actually think anyone who... I think anyone online who's criticizing The Last Jedi for its lack of Star Wars, um, I, I don't think that's a fair criticism. I, I think you and I, we've discussed the things we hate about it in, yeah. in, in, in length, but I think some of the main fundamentals of it do still hit on Star Wars, but in the same vein of like what you just said, did we enjoy it or did we not? Well, absolutely. And let me be clear. I, I don't. I don't mean to criticize. No, I know you don't. The way the way Ryan Johnson depicted the Force, which is fine. I think, yeah. Or or the 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 way the characters develop, which is fine. Or the fact that Never it subverts been. expectations occasionally. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I like no, it as I know a that. script. What I think is wrong about uh, the Last Jedi isn't even his fault. It's the fact that they let him start from squ from scratch. Yep, and you're like, right. Like 
as we've been saying for this entire podcast, Star Wars is singular. It's one thing, and it's called Star Wars. Yes. And so it really shouldn't be up to just one person anymore. No. Unless that person is George Lucas. No, I completely agree. You're 100% right. Yeah. And that's why I do believe that Dave Filoni and John Favreau and Michelle Rejuan is perfect. Because it takes the elements that you need to be able to build something like this. You need somebody who understands the galaxy like George Lucas. Right. You need somebody who has the big budget Hollywood understanding of a Favreau and the ability to let Filoni tell him where he's wrong and then somebody who can handle the bullshit uh, without trying to stick their fingers in too much like Kathleen Kennedy did. And that would be Michelle Rejuan, who I have gone back to see, has been Link has been glued to Kathleen Kennedy for like six years. Okay. Everything that has to do with Kathleen Kennedy and Star Wars, Michelle Rejuan's right there. The Apprentice. Yeah, exactly. So it works perfectly. And it makes me very, very excited about that overarching thing. I did see a great photo on YouTube, on uh, Reddit, and it was a Knights of the Round Table photo. And it was clearly the king putting his sword in, and it had George Lucas written on his chest. And all of the (laughs) other knights around the table, um, Redditors, prequelists, sequelists, um, OT purists, um, Jar Jar, like everything, like all of the, like, and then all of them with their with their swords in the middle of the table, uh, with a quote at the middle of the table, they should have just had a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's true. Yeah. Because that's really what have solved all of it and ultimately is the biggest cardinal sin of this trilogy. But I do love what you said about Star Wars because that's actually very much the way I view it. Star Wars is a singular thing. Mm-hmm. And so I actually did a ranking. So isn't it kind of funny that we always talk about the rankings, though, like when Star Wars is a singular thing? Who cares? True, but I did a ranking because I think it's interesting. Okay. I I view it as, think of the way rankings should be viewed that nobody ever does, actually. 100 is perfect. Zero is... Zero is completely terrible. Yeah. Uh, Five is the pass mark. Uh, And then generally, if you're using a scale, you should have your best at 10, your worst at 1, if you want to be able to have some sort of... Okay, scale of 1 to 10. Yeah. Okay. Under that notion, do any Star Wars movies fail to meet what you would expect of a Star Wars movie? No. Solo does for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't counting Solo or Rogue One. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, Solo does for me too. Rogue One doesn't. Nope. Solo does. So under those circumstances, on a scale of 1 to 10, The Empire Strikes Back is a 10. Okay. Just so that we have a 10. Okay. You and I both agree that The Empire Strikes Back is the best movie. See, well... Only in a way, like what I what, I what I say in my essay there is that really the only number 10 is Star Wars that, that created Star Wars. Well, that's what I agree with. Though. Yeah. All of it. Star Wars is the number 10. If we're just, this is chapters. No, of no Star but War- I'm talking about A New Hope. Like that was all, that's where the, the nucleus of brilliance is. I agree. Absolutely. From an art perspective, the nucleus of brilliance is A New Hope. Right. But I don't agree that Star Wars is A New Hope anymore. Star. That's the big thing for me is okay. people. Star Wars was a new hope at a time. Mm-hmm. For me, Star Wars is all of it now, and that's. I know you agree with that as well. But in that notion, I can view a new hope in the context of Star Wars differently than I can view a new hope in the context of movies. In the context of movies, you're right. A New Hope is the most important movie since The Wizard of Oz, and easily top three of all time. Yes, Empire Strikes Back is not. No, but Empire Strikes Back is an example of how uh, a committee can effectively make another chapter of a movie. And so that's more than one mind who came together to make an amazing movie experience. I know. Hence the reason George Lucas did not write. I know. Right. He was not on set that day. That's the only reason why they got to do rehearsals of it. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, and so it's, I, I totally agree on that notion. But if you view them in installments in that regard, I still view Empire as the best. Okay, you're not alone in that. Uh, do you now view A New Hope as the best? I think so. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's very, very interesting. So on you, A New Hope would be 10. It's the greatest artful achievement. Yeah. And, and without it, we don't have the other ones. No, I don't disagree with that either. Yeah. I, I, I definitely... No, I mean, of course you don't. That's a fact. But uh, I, I just think representatively, symbolically, I, I can't in good faith put anything above Star Wars A New Hope. And it's, it's nothing against Empire Strikes Back, which is technically a better movie. The thing for me that I absolutely have... And, and it's it's impossible for me to be objective about it because I don't remember a point in my life in which I have not seen all of the original trilogy. It makes it tough. I have I do remember a point in my life where I had not seen the prequels. I was only three or four, mm-hmm. but I absolutely remember a point in my life where I had only seen the original trilogy. Yeah. And Empire Strikes Back has always been my favorite. Right. It was because of Luke pulling the saber from the snow uh, and Yoda on Dagobah just as a kid, like... It's always been my favorite. And so because I've always viewed those as occurred, it never had the issue of in that same way. Like they they all have that same originality. They're all still part of this same one chapter. And so if Star Wars is the overall is the great achievement, I can view them each individually. But anyway, I wanted to give kind of my rankings on them, not just an ordering. Okay. But if Solo is a four out of 10, because it fails to meet what a Star Wars movie is. Oh, so okay. So that's what you're thinking. It still has merit, but it just doesn't pass. Yeah. I see. It's not like... The Clone Wars movie, for example, that is a solid 1.5 out of 10. Yeah, it's just trash. It's trash. Yeah. Um, but I didn't include that in this list. Right. And if I thought about it, yeah, probably would have been about 1.5 though. Okay. So if Solo's a 4 out of 10 and Empire is a 10 out of 10, uh, A New Hope is 9.5 out of 10. Right. Okay, great. Yeah. So right I'm, up there. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Force Awakens, 8.8. Nice. Okay. Lash, uh, sorry, Return of the Jedi, 8.7. Um... Revenge of the Sith, eight. That's very generous for Revenge of the Sith, which, I mean, gets a lot of credit because it's it's so much technically better than its two predecessors, mm. but it's still a deeply flawed movie. Yep, absolutely. Rise of Skywalker, 7.9. Okay. Right there with Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, Last Jedi, 7.3. Okay, interesting. Uh, Rogue One, 7.2. Attack of the Clones, 6.2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phantom Menace, six. And Solo, four. Why are you so hard on Rogue One? Uh, I'm not. Okay. I don't feel it carries, and uh, to be honest, I, I I put Rogue One in. Um, it's impressive that it's able to score where it does, in my opinion. Is it's it's because sh- it, it, it lacks Jedi's? Not that it lacks Jedi's, that it lacks greater meaning. It is very much uh, a bottle episode. It's not allegorical. That's for no, sure. No, and yeah, it's important, and it blends well into the overall saga, and so that's great. Uh, but it could have been a TV show. Solo could have been a TV show. Um, Solo would have been better as a TV show. Rogue One wouldn't have been better as a TV show. I don't know. Like a, it could have been like, good. Like a six-episode series would be pretty cool. Honestly. Yeah, it would have been very cool. Yeah. Uh, but it would have been an, a season. It would have been a series where we would have been like, this is shit mm. until the last two episodes. Well, they would have And would have been like, yeah. oh my God, these are the two best uh, half-hour chunks of Star Wars we've had since. They'd have to develop it differently. There'd be more relational... Uh, goings on of course but that's sort of the thing that takes away from the movie for me okay but to be honest i view it i only put it in solo as there in there so that i could have one that failed and that solo i feel does not make the mark comparatively i think it's much fairer to view those two in comparison in which case i think i have 7.2 for rogue one and four for solo so under that notion those are the ones that should be compared yeah and 
Meaning it's a fuck ton better than Solo. Way better. <laughs> yes, that's true. It's almost twice as good as Solo in that regard. All right, well, you have some really high rank- rankings in there. Like, Yeah, I just, I, and, and that's the thing. It's about, you have to view it on the scale of Star Wars. You can't compare it to anything else. Because if I'm going to rank my movies, what am I supposed to do? Put my top 10 favorite movies, having like five of them be Star Wars movies? Star Wars is a thing. That's right. And so it's a matter of viewing it. You can view its chapters in a different kind of way. But Star Wars is, is its own entity in that regard. Bingo. Okay, well, have we said it all? Uh, I think we said most of it. I'm going to just take another quick look to see through any of my take backs and, uh, and likes. Oh, take back. Orbox. They were stupid. What were Orbox? The, the horses that made no difference in the movie. Oh, yeah. That were just purely for a shot in the trailer. They get off them on the Star Destroyer like in 30 seconds. Yeah, you're right. And that would have been really inconvenient to transport across the galaxy we haven't mentioned babu frick babu frick is wonderful steals the show steal like the little he's a drunky monkey yes <laughs> yeah every scene he's in like he gets the laugh he is a hoot yep uh and Big i also fan. i also lo- i lost it when 3po says babu frick he's one of my oldest friends <laughs> <laughs> which is true yes i guess in that specific <laughs> point uh zori was great although she wasn't in it enough um the power of the star destroyers yeah Come on. Too much? Yes, too much. Starkiller Base, they had to take an entire planet, and it took them 30 years to carve it out to be able to destroy planets. Yeah, well, systems of planets. Systems of planets, but these things are tiny weapons. They're as strong as the Death Star, though. And they're as strong as the Death Star, but how is this so quickly after... Starkiller base. And secretly. And secretly. Now, it make, the Star Destroyers were built using Legends context of, um, it's called the Star Forge. And so it leverages, likely, Exegol has so much dark side energy that it's able to essentially power machinery to like work at such incredible rates and speeds. And so essentially they have like Sith-powered 3D printers on Exegol. Right. And that's what's built the Star Destroyers. But... They should not have, like, where do they have the powers to blow up these planets? They had to mine out Ilum to get the kyber crystals to blow up these planets before. And now the Star Destroyers have that capability mm. out of nowhere. They all have that capability. And there's that many of them. It just doesn't make any sense. It's a lot. It's, it's weight. It's, it does, it also, it doesn't carry consequence because they blow them up anyway. That's true. Yeah. But the, I mean, that, that provides a pretty exciting moment. It does. It would have, I don't know. I think they could have had a better plan for the emperor's return to silence the galaxy than the threat of super weapons like that i don't think that the the great issue with this movie is even that it's pacing i think it's just it has too much in it it's it could have been more than than one movie yeah it definitely could have been more than one movie and i think that that's something that kathleen kennedy made pretty clear you could argue you could argue the pacing of the trilogy is is flawed oh my god the last jedi is so slow now yeah so slow and inconsequential and that's the big thing other than kylo and ray if you look at the last jedi and the rise of skywalker and the force awakens the force awakens is a third of a trilogy yeah the other two movies are like you can make that one two and a half hour movie yes and it makes both movies way better Mm -hmm. because the praetorian guards and killing snoke Fuck, like you can do that shit to start it off, why don't you? I mean, you could get through that in the first 40 minutes, and then that changes some other things, and like you introduce... They, it could have been one movie now. Maybe there'll be a new Topher Grace edit. Oh, I think you could definitely do it for this trilogy. Yeah. I think it's definitely doable. Um, but... It is what it is now. We have it is it what it is now, anyway. And so and there would be nothing that would be cut out the amount that uh, Phantom Menace did. No, I, don't, I don't agree with that, those things anyway. But No, that's right. Hey, do we have anything else to say? 
Master Leia was a great thing. I loved her calling her Master Leia. Me too. Or Master. Things are going to come to us over time. And we've only seen the movie once and it's been days since we did see it. So it's really hard to keep it all top of mind. Yeah. I mean, really the only, the last thing I want to say, uh, the only thing I have left on here is something that is, it's a criticism and it, uh, if we're talking about ranking it, it's the only thing, uh, I'd say Attack of the Clones is the worst, but The Rise of Skywalker is the second worst title in Star Wars. It does. That's a good point. It, it, not including Solo. Solo is a stupid title. But. It's all just there to to arrange this final moment where she says, who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is lame. Right. And I'm sure it worked better in a different cut of the movie, but it did not work at all in this cut, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title, it's trying to be a title that summarizes nine movies. The movie doesn't summarize nine movies. It doesn't at all. Yeah. It does end this trilogy and it, does make some things a little confusing and it does have tiebacks to other things um but it the title does not fit the film if you watch it in a, in a vacuum it could not fit the film less it just th- doesn't think, make sense i think the problem is in the word rise i don't think it's so much skywalker because this movie is about being a skywalker i agree but then i don't know what could possibly work with it and i to be honest i think that was the problem they were so desperate to have the word skywalker yeah, in the title maybe that they just well we want to make it an r preferably Oh, because Revenge and Return? Yeah. I, think, I never even thought of that. Oh, yeah. I definitely think that was part of it. Yeah. Um, oh, but, that's interesting. Like, even like having like, Sith or Jedi in there, or you're not going to have Return of the Sith. That's a little too... <laughs> no, and you're not going to put Jedi in yet another no, I know. movie title. But I think Balance, Force... Force would have made sense to have Force in there. There's... Uh, or Hope. Hope, again, would have been great. Absolutely. Um yeah, there's a lot of things that could have made more sense as a title, but is what it is. Yeah, it is. Attack of the Clones is your least favorite name? Yeah, it's a terrible title. It doesn't have anything to do with that movie. It has nothing to not, do with the movie. Not really. Attack of the Clones? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, got to shut her down. Uh, if you have any thoughts on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, I bet you do. Tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Uh, rate and review on your preferred podcast app. A happy birthday on Sunday the 29th to Diego Luna. Mm-hmm. that's all we have and we're gonna be off i guess for a couple weeks probably we're gonna take a little yeah. new year's hiatus yeah mandalorian will be done at that point and then we will get into the mandalorian in january bingo the reviews on those and and then by february clone wars will be out and hopefully we'll know uh when the next movie's gonna be maybe yeah uh, it's potentially gonna be released in january that the next movie will be released in 2022 it's a ways off yeah Lots to cover in the meantime. Indeed. Uh, Send us your thoughts. Have a safe and wonderful holiday season. And until we're together again, may the force be with you.